Well, next up in the Honky Tonk Time Machine, a guy with 20 charted singles on the Billboard Country Chart and over 5 million albums sold had some of my favorite songs on the radio back in the mid to late 90s. Pleased to welcome Ty Herndon to the show. Thanks, man. It's good, it's good to be doing anything entertainment-wise right now, so thanks for having me on. No kidding. We've kind of hit a lull, haven't we? <laughs> I said, I never thought I'd see the day that the music business was the bottom of the totem pole, but we're, we're in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's come to a screeching halt. What have you been doing to, to bide your time since this has all been going down? Oh, man. I, you know, I, I had just bought a, bought a house, so I, I had lots of work to do. I've been just being just a repairman and uh, my mom had surgery. My sister had surgery. So I've been playing. I've been being a good brother and a good a good son. Just just staying busy, man, and, and writing some songs. You know, it, at first it was first I didn't. I wasn't really in a writing mood. <laughs> you know, you wake up. You got the biggest uh, tour of your uh, the last ten years book, and you you wake up and it's and, uh, it's gone. And you just it was it's, it was really strange. That, and, and having a lot of my musician friends here, you know, just it's it's. I, I mean, I don't want to take the conversation down, but it's you know. Um, it's it's hard to see people you, that you love losing their you know, their cars and their their homes and stuff. So it's it's, it's been a little dire straits for for Nashville and the music business. But we've got a lot of great community here, a lot of great organizations um, that have been definitely helping out. And it's good, it's been good to be in the fight. Um, I, I don't really know who I am without the stage, man. I mean, I've been doing this since I was six years old. So it's like. It, like uh, it, it's what it's where I go, you know. It's what I do. And, and the music industry has been one of the hardest hit because, let's face it, you need crowds, you, you need people to be able to gather to see you perform, and that's how yeah. you make your money. And the young artists, I really feel bad for you know the ones who haven't established a name yet. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I think that I counted them up. There's, there's like nine uh, new acts. I think I think I'm correct um, that have had their first number one records uh, since this this pandemic thing and. Uh, is the, the thrill of the of having no more records going out singing it to the crowd. Yeah. Hearing them back to you. So I just I just hope and pray that's coming for those guys and get the old dogs like me back out on the road because we you know, we we spent all our money in the nineties, so we we have to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you do have some some stuff in the works. In fact, uh, a new song which just came out at the end of October there called Orphans of God that you've teamed up with Kristen Chinawith on. I just listened to it this morning, Ty. This is some pretty powerful stuff. You and Kristen just sound great together. Thank you. Thank you. We, we're, we're old friends, and we just we wanted the right project. And I, I brought this to her because one of my best friends was in the group Avalon, and they had a big hit with it in 17 years ago. And uh, the, the song just always touched me, man. I mean, like, and, and in this time we're in right now, I think I, I know <laughs> – a lot of times I'm a, I'm a gobbly guy. I've been going, where are you, man? What's going on? This, this isn't cool. And, uh, you know, I, I felt a little left behind. And um, this song just kind of, uh, it, once, I, once I found my footing, I'm like, no, <laughs> there's a reason for everything. We just, we don't know what it is yet. And and we're going to be okay. But I, I, felt, I felt, I went to the writers and I said, can you bring this in kind of into today and what's going on with the, with the planet and, and the, and, and, and pandemic and people and just having hope, and they they nailed it, man. Chris, all Christmas first is almost brand new, so it's uh it, it was cool to uh, to approach a project that you've been wanting to do for a long time and put it out when you thought you would not have a project out this year because we had a book, an album, a documentary coming this year, and none of that's happening. So it was it was a little bit of a miracle that you know, Kristen and I said, "Screw that, we're going to make it happen," and so we did. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this idea was born out of the pandemic. It wasn't already in the works beforehand. No, it wasn't in the works beforehand. I, I, uh, I knew that my Christmas album was about to be 20 years old. And uh, my, my very, very first one, it, just, it was such a labor of love to get that made. Uh, because because Sony at the time wouldn't they would they wouldn't agree to it so I had to do it on my own and and that little uh, a little acoustic album with full choir is pretty cool I went back to remaster it and I'm like holy cow this is this is this is rad this is pretty good <laughs> so uh, and then I wanted something new on it and that's when I thought Orphans of God because I've been I was going to put it on the last album I was going to put it on Journey on it just didn't fit it just it would have stuck out and and it's perfect for this Christmas album because it gives people hope. And Christmas is hope. And Christmas, it's it's God. And so it's it was um, it was it was incredible to, to get to produce Kristen. I I'm, I produced my stuff, but I, I felt uh, I felt like I was the royalty getting to produce Kristen Chenoweth on a song. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> what was it like just to to work with her in general and record this with her? Well, I, I think I always learn because my, my eyes are always wide open. So I, uh, I I it was great to see her work. We, I, she was in Los Angeles. I was in Nashville, so we did the Zoom thing. So, literally, I was in the vocal booth with her in, on Zoom. She said, "I'm going to sing it through like three, like three or four times." I said, "Sure, go ahead." And and uh, and she nailed it, of course. And then the trick for me was because in this song, you guys will hear the fans will hear. You know, Kristen's always really Broadway and uh, show tunes and all that stuff. To pull her back and 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 just kind of hear her just be a pop country version of herself and and get that out of her was fun. And, and we did. And, and then uh, I said, now when, when I, I did this on purpose, I modulated this song three times in that last modulation, you go into Sandy Patty land, you go into Christian Chino land, hit those big notes. And she did. <laughs> so, and uh, it just turned out really special. And then, even more special, it had two members of Avalon come sing on the on the song as well. It has like an orchestral type feel to it too, which I like. Well, thank you, man. We're we're gonna do a, a whole other mix to it after Christmas, and uh, uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna Michael Bublé it. Orphans of God. It can be found on the album Regifted, Ty's Christmas album, which comes out November twenty seventh, and it is an addition to remastered versions of those old Christmas classics you did twenty years ago. Yes, absolutely. Um, I went back and. Uh, uh, there were 10 original songs, not original, it, uh, Christmas songs that I grew up singing in church. And I just gave them my own twist. And and, um, and we made the album in a week and put it out. It, it's, it was a great big seller, and, which made me happy because Sony didn't get any of the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I revisited it, remixed it, remastered it, and threw, and threw Kristen and I saw right at the top. And just uh, and voila, we had a we had a, a cool release for this for this crazy awful year. If you had to pick one of your favorite Christmas songs that you that you put on there, what would you say it is? I mean, I, I I'm a singer, so a singer wants to sing a song, and I, I love I love Oh Holy Night. I got, that's, that's my version on the album. It still stands really tall. <laughs> no doubt about that. It's a must listen every year. November twenty seventh, Regifted comes out. You can pick that up wherever you download music, right? Absolutely, man. Just across the board. You, even you, I think uh, this morning I asked for it from uh, from Alexa, and she played it for me. So it's all good. Yeah, just say Alexa, play Ty Herndon, Oh Holy Night. Really looking forward to that album coming out later this month and revisiting some of those songs from 20 years ago. Make sure you pick up a copy. I want to get to know you a little bit more, though, Ty, and, and kind of find out about you and, and talk about some of your biggest hits, if that's okay. I love it. All right. Yeah. Well, let, let's start from the beginning then. Uh, born in 
Butler, Alabama. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> so growing up in Butler, Alabama, who are you listening to on the radio that inspires you to do what you do? Well, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to have any secular records because we were very religious growing up, very, very much church people. Okay. And I had to break into my dad's. Uh, my dad had a, an, a, a, a stack of albums. And I, I broke into those quite often, which was which was the Staller Brothers and Condi Smith, and and a little later on Reba. But by the time Reba came, Reba came out, I was like, okay, I'm 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 done singing the gospel stuff, family. I'm going to Nashville, and they were like, <laughs> uh, they were like, you are. <laughs> Before that, when I was 18, I, I did a show called Star Search. I, I went all the way to the finals on Star Search and, and with Sawyer Brown, and uh, it was so interesting. They they came back to Nashville and got a record deal and started their career, I came back to Nashville. I couldn't get one door open. So I ended up I ended up going to Texas because that's where Mark Chestnut and Little Texas, those guys were all just club bands at that time. And I, I became a, a big club band in Texas. And matter of fact, I took a Nashville band with me at first. Then I moved to Dallas because we were working so much. And we became Ty Herndon and Ryder West because I rented a Ryder truck to get out. <laughs> <laughs> And then we got in trouble for that, so I became Ride the West. And uh, in 1994, I won Texas Entertainer of the Year, which got me back to Nashville. So it was a really crazy way to do it, but it worked. So Star Search happens first, and you're actually the second person I've interviewed that's been on Star Search. I also talked to Billy Dean, so he gave me a little bit of insight of, of, of what it's like. But from your perspective, what, what was that ride like of being on Star Search and trying to make a name for yourself that way? Man, I, I mean, I, I was... 17, and the only professional training that I'd had was working at Opryland. I, I mean, I was green as could be. I'd never even flown in an airplane before. So <laughs> being flown out to Los Angeles and put, put in fancy hotels, and I, I liked it. It was like, yeah. It, it didn't stay that way for long. After the TV show, I went back to, you know, eating ramen noodles. <laughs> <laughs> but it was my first big paycheck. I, I think I remember, I remember getting a check for the first three TV shows. It was, it was like nine grand. It was like, wow. Not bad for being 17 years old. What was the connection with Sawyer Brown? Were you competing against them or, or what? No, I didn't go up against uh, Sawyer Brown. They, they were in the band category. I went up against Sam Harris. Oh, okay. Who went, who went on to uh, win three Tony Awards. So everybody's done well. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> and backing up before that even, you talked about your time at Opryland. It was actually Shelly Wright who told me you got your start there as part of a very early version of the band Diamond Rio. Is that right? Well, um, I was in a band called the Tennessee River Boys, and we we uh, we did the top like the top ten country songs every week. That, that we, we we moved with the charts, and it was, it was super fun. And that's where the Star Search people saw me. They came for a, came out watched the shows. And they didn't want the band. They wanted me. <laughs> so I was like, see you guys. <laughs> no, they were gracious about it. They were, uh, uh, Danny and Matt were, were really cool. And Danny Greg went on to be, to be on the show as well. So, but that was a few years later. But I, uh, I left the band and left, stopped working at Opryland. And Marty Rowe took my place in the Tennessee River Boys. And Tennessee River Boys got renamed into Diamond Rio, and so I, I look at it this way. If I had stayed, we'd have been successful. If I, I left, I was successful anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it seemed to kind of Everybody, work out for all parties. Yeah. 
Marty Rose, Marty, Marty Rose always went like, thank you for leaving. That's <laughs> <laughs> <I bet> so. <laughs> he is Di Maria, that voice. Oh, my God. I love those guys, but I just I found it interesting because I never knew that about you. I didn't realize that you were actually there first and, and went on to do your thing, so that's pretty cool to know. Well, it was it was, it was cool to do. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> you hit it big with your first number one hit, What Mattered Most. That is one of my favorite songs, period, any artist. How did that song fall into your hands, and, and can, what, what's the story about kind of getting that one off the ground and getting your career going? Well, that was a big controversy because breaking an artist in the 90s with a ballad was super hard. Right, yeah. And, and we had some great tempo records on that album as well, and, uh, which included Goodbye Back. And, uh, but Doug Johnson held his ground. He said, he said no, he said, this, 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 is, this is a star maker, and it will be an awesome record. He produced, I mean, I just trusted the system. I, those guys knew what they were doing. And I actually didn't like um, the, oh, my God, what did I do? Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I thought, that's kind of cheesy, man. But Chuck Johnson looked at me and he said, you will sing it. You will sing it like I tell you to. <laughs> I said, oh, yes, sir. So we always called Doug Johnson the dude that will make your mouth bleed because he will make you sing a, a single line of a song 157 times. He's a, he's a hard producer, but I learned a lot from him. I, I learned how to, to be an artist in the studio from Doug Johnson. So he, I'm real grateful to him. So there were parts of the song you didn't like. What did you think of it as a whole? And did you think it was going to be as big as it was? I didn't even understand radio ads at the time. I was like, okay, is that, is that like uh, the, the good thing? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, I knew very little about the business I wanted to be in. So I, I got quickly educated. And I, I knew that it was going to be a big deal, really, quite honestly, when my family in Alabama started calling and they'd heard, heard it on the radio. I was like, you, you heard my song on the radio? <laughs> like, yeah, we, they play it all the time. So, uh, And then we came in at one of the top most added records of all time. And... And Joe Dippy looked at me, God rest his soul, and said, he goes, you ready for that money train? <laughs> I guess. I usually just watch it going by. <laughs> <laughs> you jumped on it, and uh, tell you what, first number one hit, once it hits number one, does it change everything? I mean, what was that time like for you when you're successful all of a sudden? You know, I'm, I'm real honest when I talk about this stuff. So I, I, I wish I could remember a lot of it because I was also harboring and, and a nasty drug habit. I mean, I was I was a meth addict dur- during the whole time that I made my first record. So it was it was I was in agony, and you know, and some bad things happened to me. And then you know, then thank God for graceful fans and uh, incredible record label. We were able to come back and and, and have a, a very good career. So I've been I've been extremely lucky in my life, and um, you know I always like to say. We've got, we've got angels around us, and I, it could have been a lot worse. I could, I could not be on this earth. Like some of my dear friends, that, you know, we've lost addiction. So it's, um, it's, been, it's been my honor to, to be out there and, and stand you know, for, uh, for a better life. When was it that you were able to turn that around and kind of get your life back? Well, I, mean, I, I went to, uh, to rehab immediately, um, and then uh, I went back out on the road and probably – Four years into that, I relapsed again, and the relapse was really horrible. I was living in Los Angeles then, and it, it was it was to the point that my own mother 
called me one day and she said, look, I'm done. You know, I've, I've, I've paid for your coffin. To this day, my coffin is still paid for. Thank you, Mom. I hope not to need it for a good long while. But, and my nephew, if I found out my nephew was going to be born, and uh, man, I just, I just, uh, I knew at that point that I wanted to live, and I had a lot to live for. And so I just, I started, uh, I came back home to Nashville and and stayed with my mama for about a week. Then I went back to rehab, and you know that's been 18 years ago. So wow. It's, uh, it, I guess it stuck. Well, no, I know it stuck. <laughs> yeah. I guess it did. Well, congratulations on being 18 years sober. And yeah, moms, they have a way to make you see the light, don't they? My own mother called me one day at 6 a.m. and my mom sleeps late. She said, son, you know that platform you have? You go out there and you help people and you, you know, you've got your foundation. And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, I found a place on Facebook. I can sell it. How much do you want for it? I said, I don't understand. She goes, just sell it. You're, you're not using it. So let's give it to somebody that's worth, that's worth it. Let's get some money for it. <laughs> I said, Ma, you're, you're being silly. She goes, no, son, I'm not being silly. She goes, you know who you are. Get off your ass. Get up and fix this. And, and I, it, took, it took that voice from Peggy to kind of get, get through to me. And so Wow. Just, she, she goes, I get it. You, you, there's always somebody to blame it all before. Always, you could go back on the road. You could make money. You could, you, could, you could fix things. She goes, but you can't do that now. You're going to have to sit home. You're going to have to figure, figure something else out. And so we did. We just – we. We've been rocking and rolling with a bunch of new projects and and, uh, and and working with some new acts that we a production company signed last year and just just giving hope, putting hope back out on the planet because we need it. Uncertain times, definitely that hope is needed. Ty Herndon is our guest in tonight's Honky Tonk Time Machine. And Ty, I've got some more songs I want to ask you about because you had a few more pretty big ones. And the next one, obviously, is the lead single off the next album, Living in a Moment. Again, the lead single from that album goes number one. That's back-to-back albums where the lead single goes number one. But the story I heard was that it was almost a Clay Walker song, and you guys were kind of fighting it out for it. Well, Doug Johnson, my, my, my hard-ass produce, producer, wrote that. <laughs> He said, but so he has it a hole. I said, but you're my producer and you wrote it. Why, why would you do that? Because I don't think he's going to record it. And so, at the time, I had hypnotized the moon on hold. So we, it, man, we were just we were bargaining. I was like, I tell you what, I'll take living in a moment. You do hypnotize the moon. <laughs> and we, we both had number ones with it. Again, worked out well for both sides. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about my favorite song of yours, and we're skipping ahead to the next album for this one. Didn't go number one. It was a top five hit, A Man Holding On to a Woman Letting Go. Just a beautiful song and my absolute favorite that you've ever done. It is my favorite song to sing. Is it? Yeah. I don't think I've ever done a show that I didn't do that song. It just... It touches people's hearts, and I almost didn't record it. I, I didn't get the demo. I didn't get it. I was like, eh. you know, it's, and my mom, mom again, here she goes. And I, I, I played it first. She goes, you absolutely need to record that. She goes, everybody on this planet has gone through all of those things. So, so I did. <laughs> and uh, it was a top five, yeah, absolutely. I bet you had a lot of fun recording that one, knowing that it was going to be a song that you were going to get to sing time in, time out throughout the rest of your career. Man, every time, every time was like was like Christmas all over again. You know, were there a song like Steam? You know, Steam, I hated that song. Uh, to this day, I hate that song. <laughs> but it was my, it was my biggest selling single of all time, and the song only went up in the twenties. And but you know, the, the fans would pick something out, and they just go crazy over it. So, um, but I, to this day, 
people request steam. I said, nope, don't sing that one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that part of the live show anymore, huh? Yeah. Here's goodbye back. It's just as good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it really is. I want my goodbye back. It's an awesome song. And, and so was uh, Hands of a Working Man. You know, that one really relates to the blue collar people out there big time. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that one. Thanks, man. I think at some point I kind of became a storyteller in, my, in the songs, and I, and I love that. Um, as a matter of fact, I've got an original album coming in the new year, but as a bonus, uh, my label's going to let me do this. I'm going to do a, a little side project called The Missed Hits and go back to all those albums and pick the songs that I thought should have been on the radio and uh, that, I had a, ha, that I had such a heart for. And um, it's, just, it's, just, it's a cool idea. So just, just to keep the music coming. Well, I think that is a cool idea and very much looking forward to that. So we'll stay tuned for more information on that coming out. Ty Herndon has been our guest in the Honky Tonk Time Machine. Before we let you go, Ty, is there anything else you'd like to tell your fans who are listening tonight in Southeast Missouri? Man, I would like to tell you guys to stay safe. Let's get back out on the road as soon as possible so we can get back to what we all love, and that's music, and it's, it's just it's got to happen. The new song is Orphans of God with Kristen Chenoweth and the uh, the Christmas album, November 27th. It will be out. Make sure you pick up a copy and you won't be disappointed. Ty, thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. You guys have a great holiday season. I can be the first to say that. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>